Thank you, Jesus, that you're here. You inhabit the praises of your people. We thank you that you are here to speak tonight, to speak to each heart, to each mind, that we'd never be the same again. Now, I generally don't like to you know, give the enemy any airtime, particularly this part of the service, but I feel led to share this tonight. So there's an enemy, and the enemy, the Bible says, he has schemes. On the other hand, God has plans. The enemy has schemes, but God has plans. And his plan in his infinite wisdom was in Jesus Christ. The plan that the law, the requirements of the law would be fulfilled completely in Christ. That you'd be restored and redeemed healed and forgiven completely in Christ Jesus. And so God, we thank you for your plan that was fulfilled in Jesus Christ. It overcomes every scheme of the enemy, every lie of the enemy. That he comes to kill, steal and destroy, but I thank you, Jesus, you came that every person here would have life and life more abundantly. And we worship you tonight. And we give you glory for everything you've done. For your blood shed for us. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're here. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. Hallelujah. Thank you for everything you're going to do tonight. Hallelujah. We love you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Let's give Jesus a round of applause. Hallelujah. Yep. Awesome. Welcome, everyone. So good to see you all. Hey, some good news for mums with prams and babies. Uh, the room upstairs, there is a live stream up there now. It's the room closest to the stairs. So feel free to um, head up there. there. There is a lift just down the corridor here if you go around. And you can sit there and listen to Pastor Tony preach up a storm, uh, combined with babies yelling at the top of their lungs, and um, enjoy. And uh, kids' room is also upstairs next door, so that's for kids age four and up. So please, you're welcome to put your kids up there. But just a reminder, as soon as the service ends, just um, head up and collect them, just to relieve the team. That'd be awesome. Any other announcements? No? All good. Who's had a good week? Awesome. Well, we're on again on Wednesday night. 
right here. So Pastor Ravi's preaching, so please join us. Otherwise, we've got um, Pastor Tony bringing the word tonight. So why don't we thank Pastor Tony in advance for the amazing word he's going to bring to sharpen us and encourage us tonight. G'day. How you doing? It's awesome to see your lovely faces on this beautiful sunny day. You could be at the beach. You could be watching the footy. Oh, it starts next week. <laughs> welcome, Joe Farah. Um, welcome, everyone. All doing good? Awesome. So I'm a lot of, I've been told to be on my best behavior today, so I'll do my best. Because we've got some friends here I haven't seen for a while. And, or I'm embarrassing, but they're just sitting there in the third row, that way. Love you guys. How's everyone doing? Awesome. Awesome. You know, last week, if you weren't here, why not? <laughs> Joking. Uh, last week we shared... Um, security. Last week we were sharing a little bit about the storms of life and, and we talked about Jesus being in the boat and, and um, one of the things that... I really got a few messages from people saying about the message itself, that fear, and one of the biggest obstacles in our walk is fear. Now, fear is a faith, and uh, we shared last week that fear will attract any information it, that it needs to justify itself. It doesn't have to be right information, it just needs to have information to, to put that fear in. So, you know, you talk about people who have been through... Uh, traumas and they're always fearful about things and um, this could happen that could happen and 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 we know that Jesus was on the boat he was asleep he said let's go to the other side and and if Jesus says something it's, it's going to be established who thinks that Jesus thought he wouldn't make it to the other side he spoke a word it's going to be established but we do know that there's an enemy that's trying to stop where we're going as as a body of believers as a family as a uh, you know, no matter what, you have an idea where you want to go and what you want to do in life. But what happens when the storms of, of life come? And I shared the, the analogy of a buffalo and a cow. Who, who wasn't here last week? No, taking for you. A buffalo and a cow. And a buffalo and a cow, they both sense when the storm's coming. They can sense it, they can feel it, and then they can see it. The difference between a buffalo and a cow, a buffalo digs his heels in and runs towards the storm but a cow runs away from the storm. And the difference between the two is that the, the buffalo will stand and face what's going on, go for a bit of you know, trauma, a bit of, you know, uh, a bit of physical pain, uh, emotional pain, if you want to call it, um, and stand in the storm, but the storm will eventually pass. But the cow thinks he's doing the right thing by running away, trying to find cover, and he ends up staying, the storm will catch up with him and ends up staying in the storm longer than he should. And you've got one who wants to face the storm, you've got one who wants to run away from the storm. If we bring it back down to us, we've got issues in our life we don't want to face because we think, let's ignore it, let's put it down, let's run away from it. And I often tell married, married young people that are getting married, he goes, <laughs> there's some big problems and there's little problems. But you know what? You can always sort out the big problems. But guess what? If you don't deal with the little problems, they become big later. The storms will catch up with you. And the quicker you face something is the quicker you get through it. Now we can bring it back to the Lord. Now today's message is about power and authority. 
And we're going to go to Luke chapter 9, verse 1 and 2. And then we'll just discuss where the Lord leads us here. Jesus said, remember when Jesus was, uh, when, when Mary lost Jesus for, when he was 12, they went back to Jerusalem and they couldn't find him for three days. And they went and they found him in the temple teaching. And they said, where did you get your authority from? Look, he speaks with someone with authority. Isn't this the carpenter's son? Many times Jesus would preach and say, by what authority? And Jesus is talking to his disciples here. And it says here that, then he called the 12 disciples together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. He sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. We've read this, if, if you're, you've heard it preached, but the more you, you read it and dig into it, he's talking about the power and authority God gave his disciples and that the kingdom of God would be preached. It talks about it pretty clearly here. I'll give you power and authority over demons to cure the diseases and heal the sick. And when you look at the word power and authority, and sometimes they're interchangeable, and I'm no Greek scholar and things like that, but we know who many people know here who's been around long enough know when you get baptized in the Holy Spirit, you receive power. Jesus promised the disciples when the Holy Spirit comes, he'll baptize you into Power, which is where we get the word dunamis, dynamite. The Greek word is dunamis, and we get the word dynamite from. And what's dynamite do? It's an explosion. So in Acts, it talks about you'll receive power, dunamis, dynamite power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Here he says, I'll give you power and authority. Now, the word power obviously is dunamis, but the word authority is exousia, which means it's a, it's a legal right given by someone. The police have the authority to book you because the government gave him that right. Uh, the council has authority to approve or disapprove your building program because they have authority. Um, and and you, know, you know the story. Someone's given them delegated authority and they're allowed to operate in that authority. Jesus says here, I'll give you authority which is based on his word. He said, I'll give you authority and power. Are you with me? Not many times you see them both together. And I wrote this down here, like, Jesus himself said, I could do nothing without my father. Let's go to, uh, before you start throwing stones at me, Luke eleven twenty. We're going to jump around a bit. He, he, now, this is the backdrop. Jesus is preaching and he's casting out demons out of people. And the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day, saying, he does this by the power of the devil, basically Belzebub, which is the prince of, the, uh, of flies, the king of flies. And they're accusing Jesus of using demonic power to cast out. And he says, but if I cast out demons with the finger of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. Where else do you see the finger of God mentioned in the scripture? When Moses got the Ten Commandments, the Bible says the finger of God wrote the... Which means God gave authority to Moses to implement... The Ten Commandments. Jesus says, I do nothing without my Father. Well, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Because all authority has been given to me by my Father. I can do nothing without my Father. The Father and I are one. And he's talking about this intimacy. And the finger of God represents the power of God, the, the authority of God. And here in, in, the, in the chapter earlier we just read, he says, power is dunamis and authority is exousia. It's legitimate power from above. Jesus needed that authority from the Father and he gave it to his disciples. And right down here, power comes by the baptism of the Holy Spirit. 
by a gift. The Bible says there's gifts of the Spirit and the gift of salvation through grace, the gift of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and fire is, is a gift. But authority comes by intimacy with the Holy Spirit. And if we understand as our Christian walk, for those who have been around long enough, or people who are new, I know every walk of life here, we say, oh, but when I came to the Lord, everything was going great, and I'd pray and something, things would happen. i go, awesome. The power of God is upon you. But you know what? That's because God loves you and the sovereign move of God. But guess what happens? The authority of God only comes by spending time with Him. Because God doesn't give His authority to novices. See, we can get bluffed. The, the Corinthian church had all the gifts of the Spirit, did they not? Talks about it. If you want, if the chapter, the, the book to go to to find out what the gifts are is Corinthians. And yet he says to them, you're so carnal. You're like babies. I want to give you meat, but I have to give you milk. Then I say, there's sin, sins among you. They're not even among the Gentiles. They lost their authority because they, they loved the power because it was gifting by God, but it had no authority because they wouldn't spend time with him. Here Jesus is talking to his disciples. Now you've got to remember all this. They went out and they did cast out devils because they came back. Remember the 72 that went out? So he gave the power and authority to the 12. We read a bit further down in Luke, he gives it to the 72. Later on, we know that in the, in the baptism of the Holy Spirit in the Pentecost, there was 120. Then he says, go into all the world now, preach the gospel. There's two problems we have here. The disciples, at this point in time, were arguing who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom as well. And isn't it funny that when we get in the way, and it's about us, that we have issues manifesting the kingdom. There was a demon-possessed boy from the fire, and you know the story. And Jesus comes down from the mountain. He says, I brought him to your disciples, but they couldn't help him. And Jesus casts the spirit out of the boy. He's healed that very moment, and then he rebukes his disciples in public. You could say it this way, I brought the sick to your church, but the church couldn't heal them. But the kingdom of God is power and authority. What are we missing, guys? I'm not talking about sensationalism. I'm not talking about certain giftings. A gifting is a gift from the body of Christ. But every believer has been anointed and empowered by the Holy Spirit in this church. Amen. If you call Jesus as your Lord, he has empowered you. We are a conduit for him to flow through us. What we've done, we've blocked him because we've done two things. It's either about me or I need someone else to do this for me. The Bible says that the, the fivefold ministry, the apostle, the prophet, the preacher, the teacher, the evangelist, is the equipping of the saints to, to edify the church. As a joke once, um, I was sitting in a room of a bunch of pastors years ago, where there was a conference in Queensland. I think it was Queensland. I met him in Queensland, but I think I met him again in Sydney. There were three or four guys. And who knows that I like to tell a joke? Nobody, huh? So I said to, to I was just joking, but I obviously hit a nerve. I said, the great apostle Peter, the evangelist, comes into town. And they knew he was coming. And they lined up all the sick on the side of the road. And his shadow healed them all, the Bible says. He said, now the evangelist has got five bodyguards. His shadow can't even touch you. <laughs> They're walking around with umbrellas. He doesn't get sunburnt now. And the, it's a joke. Oh, did I, my pastor laughed his head off. Everyone else? Because the fivefold ministry, the body of Christ the, is about to edify the church. You are the body, you are the church, but you're about to go to edify the, the world, the people around you, influence people around you. And for whatever reason, we end up promoting someone higher because they've got a special anointing in that. And the Holy Spirit says, I'm in every single one of you. I might be gifted in a certain area, but you're the same Holy Spirit, the same Jesus, and the same power of God lives in you. 
that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And he says, go. Now it's interesting. In Luke 11, and then uh, there's so much to unpack here, but for the sake of Sunday and everyone's hungry, I can see your eyes. We're going to try and speed the process up. They've had a blue, who's the greatest in the kingdom? Jesus looks at him. are you guys serious? This is after they couldn't kill the boy. They worry about themselves. Who's the greatest in the kingdom? Who's the greatest in the kingdom? Now, there's a guy out there in Luke 11. Sorry, not Luke 11. Let's go to Luke 9. If you're focused on you and you're self-absorbed about you, guess what happens? What you don't like about yourself, you start to see in others and you start to pinpoint others. Because you think that you've got it worked out or you want it worked out and where is God in my life and I've got authority in this and I should be doing this. But guess what? Your focus leaves Jesus and you start to see other things. Look what they saw here. This is John. Now John answered and said to them, Master, we saw someone casting out demons in your name, but we forbade him because he does not follow us. What's the next verse? But Jesus said to him, do not forbid him, for he, he who is not against us is on our side. He's not one of us. He's not following me. He's got to do it my way. Jesus says, hang on a second. The Bible doesn't say he was trying to cast them out. He was casting them out. Not like the sons of Sceva who, oh, uh, I preach in the name of Jesus, the one that Paul says, and he got bashed up and he ran, ran down the road naked. This guy was doing it. He's unknown. The Bible says there's no name about him, doesn't mention him, nothing. But Jesus says, do you remember when Jesus said, I have sheep you know nothing about? See, God's got people. You might be a nobody here sitting here. You might be a no-name person. You might have just come in yesterday. You might be here 20 years. But you know what? Your name doesn't have to be in lies. God knows your name and God's empowered you to walk this out. You don't have to be a celebrity. You don't have to have it all worked out. You have to let God work it out with you. The work he started, he will complete. You have to co-labor with Christ, co-labor with the Holy Spirit. But it's not about you and what you can prove. It's about what Christ is doing in you. Now, this message tonight is not about sanctification. We've been preaching a lot about dealing with your heart and doing all that. But this is about what the promise of God in you. But if you want to abort what God's trying to do, do it your way. I wrote this down. The power of the Holy Spirit comes by his baptism as a gift. But the authority comes with intimacy. If you don't spend time with him and get to know him and through his word. See, when we say in the name of Jesus, we're using the authority given to us by Christ. Why? Because he's been delegated authority. Now, this was before the cross. We know now that Christ defeated the devil on the cross. Amen. We know that he took his sins from us and washed us and made us white as snow. We know that the, 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 the requirements of the law have been fulfilled in Christ. We know that every curse was broken, that he became a curse, that we could become blessed. We know that by his, by his poverty, we have become rich, rich in the sense that he's our provider now. We know that every sickness and disease was placed on him. We know that every sin that I needed to pay for, he paid for for me. He washed me with his blood, and now I'm a child of God. Amen? Just if you've never heard that before. You hear it every week. But power and authority is necessary. It's not just for us to go out there or for ministry. It's for your own house. For your own children. Man, thank God for the Holy Spirit. See, people want to limit the Holy Spirit because there was a movement of God one day when the Holy Spirit fell and the charismatic movement and Holy Spirit was moving and then 
the church went so far to the right where we don't need to study the word now. We've got scripture. We know the word, but it's all about the sensationalism and feeling good and falling over and all that. And I'm like, hey, I've casted more demons than I've had breakfast. I've been in the power of God. But if it's all about the sensationalism of that, we forget his word. And then they say, yeah, this has gone crazy. It's doing stuff. They're having weird and wonderful dreams and people rolling over on carpet. So let's go back to this. We just stick to the word. That's weird. And we stick to the word. And guess what? We rob the Holy Spirit from moving in the church. And the Bible says the word and the spirit bring life. We need to get that solid balance. Jesus was very strict on that. It's easy sometimes you see Jesus, he tells the disciples, you have no faith. You have little faith. He rebukes them. How long must I be with you? Do I have to do everything? That's a pretty high standard. And yet there's a guy who is not part of them casting out devils. The Bible says casting out the devil is a miracle. Because if you think about something, it needs the power of God to go into the supernatural to remove something out of someone to get him set free. That's a miracle. It's not by man's will, but by the power of God. Does that make sense? It's interesting there when Matthew, let's go to Matthew 28, 18. Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Now he's bringing down his authority from heaven and on earth. His kingdom come and will be on earth as it is in heaven. There's no separation. Then he says to his disciples, go, there, go therefore and make disciples, disciplines of all the nations, disciplines of Christ. As I said, go make converts. He says, go make disciples. And baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I'll be with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, I've heard someone say recently, and many times, the early church didn't have the Bible. They had the Old Testament, but didn't have a New Testament. They didn't have a book of Romans and a book of Ephesians that we can go to. So people say, well, we just need the Holy Spirit to teach us. And that's true in a sense, but Jesus says, go into all the world and teaching them all the things that I have commanded you. What did Jesus command? If we want to go back through the old Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we can see what Jesus taught. What did Jesus teach? In a nutshell. Taught about love, taught about his father, taught about the kingdom, but he just said he, he empowered him with authority and empowered him with power to go and what? He was giving them a taste of the kingdom because they were unregenerated humans. They were still under the law and yet they were going out and they were running back and saying, Lord, demons are subject to your name. What was he trying to teach them? Go into all the world and teach them the kingdom of God has come and the Father loves you and go into my name and go cast and preach the good news. That's what he taught them. You know, it's interesting where <clears throat> then these missionaries, they went to China and the Chinese there, the underground church, are really struggling. This is a while back. And these guys would go and they were hungry for the word. And you know, it's illegal to have a Bible in China in, in certain places. So whatever they had, they'd memorize it and pass it on. And these guys went to teach at these, at these underground churches and homes. And was very, if they got arrested, they'd get shipped back and those guys would go to jail. And they went to these certain villages. Their, limit, their, their knowledge of the scripture was very limited. Because they didn't have teachers, they didn't have a church like this, they didn't have the Bible. But what fascinated these teachers was that for the limited, like they were hungry for people to go there and share the word and impart and edify. And they don't sit for 20 minutes. They sit for four hours. Some of them travel three hours to get there. 
They don't sit in an air conditioning room like everyone's complaining now to be hot. Some people are complaining it's too cold. It's on 21 degrees, all right? I checked. But these guys come and sit on the floor. And what, was, what, what they got out of it was that they want us to come and impart teaching and, and share and break the scripture open and that. And yet, but for the limited knowledge they had, for the little bit that they understood, no, when someone got sick, they got healed. When there was no food, they prayed and food would arrive. They were walking in the supernatural power of God and they wanted these guys to come and teach them. And I guess by the end of it, you, know, I guess you guys need to teach us. Because you've got nothing. You don't, you don't even own a Bible. You memorize the scripture and you pass it on. And yet what the limited knowledge they had, they were able to move the power and authority of God to work in those areas to bring what kingdom of God down. And he goes to me, but I want to teach you. You need to teach me. What is it? What Bible says any faith as small as a mustard seed? See, if you've got no plan B, that's the only plan you've got. And that plan is not even yours. You're just stuck in the middle of nowhere. No hospital, no doctors, no food. You need to trust God. And they do. He was so surprised. How many people go, what do you do if they get sick? There's no hospitals. What if you cut yourself? He goes, we need to pray. He goes, and you want me to teach you? Because they understood with their limited knowledge, the power and authority that's working within them. See, sometimes we complicate the issue. Sometimes we want to know more. We, we listen to more. We read more. We, we do more. I'm all for studying the scripture. I'm all for studying and listening. But guess what? Where is that quiet time with the Lord to let the Holy Spirit be your teacher? Is it God's will to heal? And people argue about that. If you want to start a debate, bring that one up. Well, he said he'd go in and heal the sick and heal the diseases. It is God's will to heal. I prayed he didn't, nothing happened. He goes, well, why are you based in your life on your experience? Base it on the word of God. I don't base it my life on my experience. I've had many bad experiences. I want to base it on the word of God. See, it's his authority, his power. There's no mention in scripture that Jesus refused to heal someone. There's mention where he couldn't do many miracles that didn't honor him, just a few little headaches and, and back pains and ingrown toenails maybe. But think about this. He never refused to heal anyone. If Jesus is the image of God and the likeness of God, and I only do what I see my Father do, and if you see me, you've seen the Father, and he never rejected anyone for healing, what makes you think he's going to reject you? Oh, but we've done that before. Okay. Oh, you know what? But, I hear that word, but. Stop saying but and believe the scripture. We've all got buts. We've all been there and things haven't worked. But guess what? I don't stop where I, I've hit a roadblock. I keep believing what the word says. The word overpowers. The word truth overweighs my facts. Because you give me power and authority. I love it when um, we can... It's like... I don't, if I did a survey here now and asked you... Can God do these miracles? Can God raise the dead? Can God heal the sick? Can God... I don't think many people in here would say, no, God couldn't do it. I think most people would agree that God can do anything. You just don't believe he can do it through you. God does it through us. But if I'm chasing the miracle and I'm chasing the stuff, then I've got my heart in the wrong place. But if you allow God to move through you as a conduit, See, most conduits just allow things to go through. A pipe, a water pipe, water just goes through. It just holds the water. Electrical conduit, wires go through there. You're not there to control it. You're there just to let it flow through you. If you allow the Holy Spirit to flow through you, but you know what? We stop it? Unbelief, fear, 
selfishness. We can go, the list can go on. But God wants a people, because he keeps telling them, and he goes, the work I start in you, I will complete. But if you give yourself to me, and you surrender your life to me, and you allow the Holy Spirit, that's why fasting and prayer and all these things, they don't get salvation. Fasting does not move God. Me giving money doesn't make me blessed. What it is, is it's trying to unblock me so the kingdom of God can flow through me. That's what he wants from us. It's not that hard, but we made it hard. It's, it's funny, like the, this preacher said once, I'd have the greatest church if it wasn't for people. <laughs> so we get in the way. And we've got a great church, amen? Everyone say to the next person, next to you, you're the best. What's your pin number? What's your pin number? Turn to the person on the right side, sure, shout. Turn to the person on the left, he's a liar, he won't pay. No, I'm joking, don't say that. It really stuck in my spirit today about this message and all week because how much do we limit God in our walk? It's not like God doesn't want to move through us, but are we allowing him to walk through us? See, if I'm obedient to his word, some people are really like, this is the word, this is the word, this is the word. But can I say it this way to you? I don't come. See, you can enter into, say, private time. Some people struggle to spend time with God or pray in the Spirit or that. But you always, always start in legalism. You always start because I have to do it. You always do that. Let's be honest. But once you break through, you'll go from I have to do it to I want to do it. If you let that break that stronghold, you go into legalism, but you come out sons and daughters. If you allow him to come through you, he'll break you open. And he might have to touch some sour points in your heart, some things that are really blocking the way, some things that we've, we've accused God of and accused others of. He says a lot here about forgiveness and offense in the Bible. Why? Because that's the greatest obstacle, the greatest blockage to where you're going to have to go. Ah, oh, but you know, he's just offended. He'll be all right. No, you won't. Because if he doesn't deal with that offense, that root goes into every area of your life and 30 years from now he's in a psychiatric ward. I've seen it so many times. You can't afford to allow the enemy and the things of the world to grab you and choke you because you choke the word of God. Even though you've got power, even though you've got authority, even though you've got the Holy Spirit, your, what, you, what you think and what you believe will determine your destination. You know, so, yeah, I want to share this about the, Jesus riding the donkey. Let's go to, where's AJ? Fix this thing up before I break it. Oh, I fixed it. You don't need to break it. Oh, it's come back. Can you go up for a sec? Jesus, Jesus is coming up to... Um, just take that keyboard off the place. keeps coming up. You know, Jesus is... <laughs> what happened? I'm not angry. I'm not angry. It's the Lebanese coming out of me. Jesus. He prayed for a lot of people in the Bible. The Bible says that if everything that was recorded that he did, there wouldn't be books big enough to contain what he did. So what we have is for our learning, for our, for our benefit. But Jesus is coming now to a point where he's healing people and saying, don't tell anybody. You read through scripture, don't tell anybody, don't tell anybody. My time's not yet come. Go here. No, my time's not yet. There was, 
He knew what he was up to. But then eventually, it's coming pretty close now to the time. Jesus has lived on this earth 30 years. Uh, he was anointed by the Holy Spirit, went to the desert, got tempted by the devil, punched on with him, came down. And now it's three and a half years, now it's time. Now, are you the Messiah? Are you the Messiah? Are you the Messiah? Are you the Messiah? And then Luke, it's really interesting. Let's go to Luke 19.30. Jesus is now, for those who know, we're coming up to Easter soon, Palm Sunday, pretty traditional day. Jesus now rides on a donkey. But I I want to break this down for you to show you. Now, I'm not going to read the whole lot, but he says, he go into the village opposite where you are. As you enter, you will find a colt tied on, which no one has ever sat. Loosen it and bring it here. Now, stop there, and we're going to go to the next one if you've got it ready. He goes, go and get a colt. It's a young, young donkey. Matthew talks about a donkey and a colt. So he must have taken two but rode on one. But it's interesting, he says that no one has sat on this colt. Now, nothing's in the Bible by mistake, and no, no one, there's no coincidence. There's, it's there for a reason. We know that there's a prophecy in Zechariah 9 9 that says, Your king, O Israel, the daughter of your uh, daughter Israel, your king will come on a donkey. So he was fulfilling a scripture. But let's go a little bit deeper here. Jesus has now been preaching the kingdom of God for three years. He's trying to establish the kingdom of God from his father. The Jews have got the kingdom, they believe they've got the kingdom of God through the law and through Moses, the prophet. He's saying, Yes, but you don't even understand Moses because if you did, you'd, you'd, you'd know who I am and where I'm from. And we go through this whole debate. And now Jesus is writing and he gets there. He's going to get me a donkey, a, a young colt that's never been ridden before. Let's go to Luke 35 if you don't mind. I'm trying to skip a little bit. Then they brought, him to, they brought the colt to Jesus and they threw their own clothes on the colt, which is a young donkey, never been ridden before. Okay? And then they set Jesus on him. And, and as he went, many spread their clothes on the road. Then as he was now drawing near the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works he had, they had seen. Say, bl- saying, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees called to him from the crowd, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. But he answered them and said to them, I tell you that, that if these, these should keep silent, the stones would immediately cry out. Now this is the first time now he's publicly now said, You know what? That's who I am. Before, you didn't have to answer him. Remember they asked him, um, by what authority you say this? He goes, well, if I ask you a question, you answer it, I'll tell you. John the Baptist, was his baptism of God from heaven or earth? And then, well, if we say heaven, then we say, why didn't we get baptized? If we say earth, they might kill us. We don't know. He goes, well, I don't know either. Jesus didn't answer every question. He didn't, he wasn't, they were never dictating to him. He was dictating to them. But now, on Palm Sunday, if you, if you will, he's riding on a donkey, and now they're hailing him, Hosanna in the highest, the king of the Jews, and now he's going to Jerusalem. And it's interesting to know, on that day, on that exact day, their calendar is different than our calendar. On that exact day, that would have been roughly the 6th of April, our calendar. It's the 10th month of that year, of that month, sorry. That day that Jesus now is now being proclaimed the king of Israel. is going into Jerusalem. And now they're saying you're a king. But on that same day, every family, 
and the, and the temple is, is picking a lamb for the sacrifice at Passover. On that very day that Jesus comes, and hear me, hear my heart. On that day, every Jew was accustomed to go and find a lamb for their family and kill it on the Passover feast, to celebrate the Passover feast, which is what we call the Last Supper. Jesus now is going in on a donkey. Isn't it interesting? He goes, give me a donkey that's never been ridden before. Because the weight of his kingship, the weight of the kingdom of God that was placed upon him, that he was going to carry into the earth, could not be put on a donkey that's been ridden before. The donkey represents the burden. He's a, he's a beast of burden. If you look at a donkey in the Old Testament, they used the donkeys to plow the fields and oxen to plow the fields. And it's usually a time of peace because when they're plowing fields and growing uh, fruit and growing vegetables, it's a time of peace. Even if someone had an issue with someone else, he would not go to the person, another village, another town, another country on a, on a horse because a horse speaks of war. When you go to war, you don't take a donkey, you take a horse. So if someone wanted to do peace with someone, they'll ride a donkey and make a peace offering because they knew he wasn't coming to attack. He was coming to bring a peace offering. When the donkey is used to plow the fields, it's a time of peace. Jesus says, oh, sorry, when the angels came and said, the king is born and he'll bring peace to your people. What's happening here? Jesus is the weight of the kingdom could not be placed on a donkey that's been mistreated or a donkey that's been whipped or a donkey's got its own habits or a donkey that's been abused a donkey well it's a picture of that if you want to carry the weight of god you can't do it your way you can't do it the old way you have to do it pure he had to pick a donkey that's never been ridden before so he could control it and bring the kingdom in this wasn't about why a young colt and the Lord says to me, because it's symbolic of the new wine. You can't put new wine into old wineskin. You can't put a, patch on a, a new patch on an old garment. And I can't put the weight of my glory on something to carry it if it's defiled. It's been hurt. It's been busted. It's been uh, scared. It's been controlled. It's been manipulated. And Jesus wrote on a pure. If you look what he's doing here. He's now, I'm the king. I have authority now. Guess what he's going to do with that authority? The disciples wanted him to ride on a horse and take over Rome. That's what they wanted. The Jews didn't pick Jesus as their Messiah because their interpretation was that the Messiah would come one day, he would wage war on the Roman people and get rid of them and take their land back. But you know what Jesus was doing? He was laying down his kingship at the cross as a lamb to die for the sins of mankind. That weight of his kingdom. He couldn't place it on a donkey that's been controlled. You know what that speaks of? That speaks of the law. The law was perverted. The law was manipulated. The law was used to extort the widow's might. Remember that story you talk about the widow's might? The law was, Jesus says, you put, you, you, you put burdens on people who never lift one finger to help them. You know, you travel the whole world to make one convert and you make him twice the devil than what he was. And he was talking about that old system and the donkey, an old donkey would have been already, already trained a certain way. And, but he goes, no, I need something that's never been taught. You know what? Because my head's going to rest. My kingdom's going to rest on people that are pure. Why? Because when Jesus came and washed us with his blood, he was able to put his Holy Spirit in us. That power of that day was that on the same day he was going in as a lamb, he's saying, but I'm a king. He's a king, a priest, and a prophet. Why? Why do you do all that? Because he wanted to say something. I'm bringing something new in. I need to do it. God's going to start moving within his people on this earth. While everyone says this world's so bad, why are we bringing our children in this world? The world's gone absolutely mad. God says, where sin abounds, guess what? Grace abounds much more. When there's so much darkness, you know what? If you're willing to purge yourself of the filth of the flesh and the things of this life, guess what? My light can shine through you. The harvest is ripe, but the laborers are few. 
And when Jesus walked, when he rode in, he was holding the donkey. He was a beast. He has, a donkey carries the burdens. And Jesus said, come to me who are heavy laden and I'll give you rest. I'll carry your burden now. You don't have to carry your own burden. You don't have to pay for your mistakes. He pays them for you. He paid them for you. And it's, it's interesting for him to establish the kingdom. He had to do, he had to do so many things, but the, one, the biggest thing he had to do was be obedient to the Father. Why could Jesus get all authority? Why well, he says, my Father judges no one. All judgment is given to me. All authority has been given to me. Why? Because he was obedient. Why? Because he went and did what the Father asked him to do. God wants to pour out a new anointing on you but the, by power and authority, but he wants a vessel that is he can flow through. That donkey, that young donkey would never been ridden before. And Jesus just controlled it where it wanted to go, took it where he wanted to go. Who was in control? Jesus. You get an old donkey, he's stubborn. He's been trained the wrong way. He's been whipped. He's been bashed. But God doesn't put things into old wineskin. He doesn't try and put his anointing on top of people that want to do things their way or the old way or with their traumas. He wants a new vessel. What he wants? He wants you to go back to your first love like Rab said the other day. Once we get off this and go back to our first love, guess what? He can flow through you. We have not yet seen the move of God where we're out to see. But he needs to prepare us first. And in closing, that Passover feast was a celebration that they would, their, their, their Passover was like, they would celebrate and, and remember when the angel of death passed over. Remember Egypt, put the blood on the doorpost, and the angel of death, they would celebrate it every year as a memorial. And everyone that had the blood would be saved. But what people don't realize is this, inside the house, yes, the blood saved them, but now they're about to go on a journey into the desert for 40 years. Shouldn't have been 40 years, but it ended up being 40 years. And the Bible says that they ate the lamb, and he has, that same blood out of the lamb had to be roasted and cooked and had to be eaten all up, everything, everything. And whatever was left that you couldn't eat, you had to just burn it. But it had to go. Speaking of that lamb was a symbolic of Jesus. You've got to eat his word. You know what? They used to eat in those days, and even some, some of you guys do eat, tongue of a, tongue of a lamb. True? Who eats tongue? All the one, two lebs and a, a Syrian. You want to hear a funny story once? True story, true story. A friend of mine, uh, I prayed for his mum, older lady, and she got filled with the Holy Spirit and started speaking tongues. Next day, she was making tongues for dinner. But I walked in, do you eat that? I don't eat that. And then I go, what's she making? It's tongues. I go, you know, last night she got baptized and she started speaking tongues. He go, oh, yeah. She didn't know. She just made tongues. So she wanted to confirm what she got, I think. <laughs> Have you ever seen a goat's tongue on a plate? Ooh. Who's hungry now? But they had to eat the whole lamb. Why? The blood saved them from the death. And blood got them out of Egypt as a slave. But guess what? Eating the meat of the lamb, eating his word, eating his eyes so you can see like him, eating his tongue so you can talk like him, eating the intestine so, you're in, so your internal being is like him, eat the meat so you can sustain you. Why? Because when we fellowship with him, guess what? Power and authority will come. People just want the blood and that's it. But he has all power and authority. He's the Lord and Savior. Lord just means authority. 
Is he your Lord and Savior? We want the beautiful part, of the blood, yeah, the blood saves us. Awesome. But if that's all they had, they would have died in the desert. And some did out of disobedience. But guess what? They walked around, their clothes didn't wear out, they never got sick. What happened? The meat of God's word sustained them. Nothing in the Bible by mistake. So I want to encourage you to eat his word. Fellowship around his word. I always say fellowship. Don't just read it. How do I fellowship? He goes, mate, read it. Get excited and allow the Holy Spirit to show you what you get stuck on. Write it down, but just keep moving. Spend time in him. Let him speak to your spirit. Let him speak to your heart. He doesn't go outside his word. So whatever dreams and visions you have, beautiful. Let's, see, let's line it up with the word of God. Don't get outside of his word. Don't buck authority. Don't, don't push away what God's trying to do in your life. Because he has given you power and authority. He won't take it off you. But most of us do not walk in that because we don't know who he is. And when I know who he is, I become like him. And then you can say, I only do what I see my father do. So tonight I want to share with you, if, the girl, if you guys could come up, can we stand? I'll get the girls to sing that song again. And I'm going to pray for everyone just from here. I want, if you're that unknown person that was casting the devil out and they're going, they're not one of us. But hey, many people feel like they're unknown. They think God does not know them. But let me tell you something. God knows you. God has redeemed you and has set you free. So for, it's, it's for whoever believes. They said to the, the disciples said to Jesus, what are the works we must do for heaven? He goes, believe in me. Oh, but I believe in you. Do you? Do you really believe in Jesus? Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word. But you know what? There's nothing better than sitting with the Lord, you and one-on-one. Because there's two things that are going to happen. He's going to show you brilliant things and he's going to purge you from a lot of bad things. The quickest way to your, where God wants you to go is obedience. And when I spend time with him, guess what? The power that resides in me through the baptism of the Holy Spirit will, will be mixed with authority. And the more you deeper you look into this, you look at it this way, say, I'm a believer. I've seen God move. Why isn't God moving in this situation? Because sometimes he comes to rob our authority. We don't know our authority. But how do you know your authority? By saying, oh, yelling at the devil or quoting 15 scriptures a day. No, no, no. You must know him. And then his authority flows through you. God's ready to move. See, most people that I talk to, they think that these gifts have passed away and God doesn't do that anymore and just stick to the word. I say to them, but bro, what about this, this, and this? About the, oh, the devil, that's demonic, that's demonic, that's demonic. I go, okay, so you have more belief in the supernatural of the devil than of God. I am convinced the body of Christ is scared of the move of the spirit. They're scared of it because they don't understand it. You believe that this is demonic and wrong, so you believe the supernatural of the enemy, but when it comes to the supernatural of God, well, I've got to see to believe. No, he says faith. Blessed are those who believe and have not seen. And if you stay in his word, he'll put you on that narrow road. So you're going to sing that song again for me? And then we'll pray. Jesus, I love you, I love you, I love you. Jesus, I love you, I love you, I love you. Jesus, I love you.
You gotta remember, Jesus is coming on the donkey. But the Bible says they took their clothes, clothes off. They, they took their, their, their garments off and laid them on the road and laid them on the donkey. In Jerusalem, your garment is, determines who you are in society. The beggar would wear a, a type of robe so he could beg. And the Pharisees wore a type of robe. And the, and the, and the Sadducees and the scribes. and Everyone wore a garment that represented who they are. And everyone's got a garment on here. But it might be the garment of shame. Garment of offense. Garment of selfishness. Whatever garment that you're carrying. Hurt. Betrayal. Sickness. Whatever garment you're wearing. Rejection. Oh, I've sinned and you don't know what I've done. Take off that garment and lay it before the Lord. Because they took their garments off. You know why they took, they took off their mantles, whoever they thought they were or who they thought that what authority they were given, whether they were a priest or a, or a, or a fisherman or whatever, and they took them off and laid them, and, they, and Jesus sat on some of them. Whatever gifting God's given you in the body of Christ, even lay it before the Lord. Whatever God you think that is yours, lay it before the Lord. Whatever God gives you, give it back to Him. So God can heal you. And I pray that coming up to Easter this year, that you know that, and even very now, God's touching people's hearts right now because you've carried that burden too long and He's the one that carries our burden. You've tried to work it out, but you haven't seemed to find the answer because He is the answer. Unless He's in control, He can't help you. Unless He has you all. The Bible says they had to eat the whole lamb. Not half of it, the whole lamb. Why? He wants your all. Because he's given you his all. Who would go to a cross and die for you? Not even. Forget the cross. Who would die for you and not knowing that you would even receive what he was going to give? He went anyway. So I thank you, Father, for tonight. That we take off our garments and lay them before you. That your power and your authority will come through us, work through us for the kingdom that we may preach the gospel, the good news. You are the only hope. Hope comes in the name of the Lord. He said he'll never leave us nor forsake us. Religion will rob you, but Christ will redeem you. The power of God comes by a gift. 
but the authority of God comes by a revelation of intimacy. Lord, if anyone's sick in their body right now, Father, that you would touch them right now in Jesus' name. If there's unclean spirits tormenting people, that you would re remove them, rebuke that in Jesus' name. People are struggling to make decisions, that you would give them clarity because you are the Prince of Peace. I thank you, Father, that no weapon formed against my brothers and sisters shall prosper. That you would lift up that spirit inside them, the Holy Ghost inside them, who wants to form Jesus Christ in them. He is the hope of glory. I thank you, Father, for understanding that people would get a revelation of who you are. For those who don't know Jesus as their Lord and Savior, that you would bow that knee and repent and come into his kingdom. Today is the day of your salvation. Father, we worship you as King and Lord. There's no one like you. you we love you, Father, because you first loved us. I give you all the praise, Father. I thank you, Father, for your spirit of refresh. Those who need just to refresh, those who are, are tired and weary, he'll give you rest. I thank your Holy Spirit. And for those who are trying to work God out, you'll never work him out. Don't try and work out what, how God does things. Accept that he loves you. He'll work things for your good. For God before you, who can be against you? And Lord, words that have been spoken over people's lives that are curses and words that are of, of destruction and hatred, Father, we rebuke that in Jesus' name. Thank you for your protection. Thank you, Father, that your hand is upon man, woman, and child. Because family is your idea. Father, you love your children. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. We give you all the glory. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Wow, what a blessing. Stay strong. Stay in Him. Any man being Christ is a new creation. Amen. Don't let the enemy take you out. Don't get caught up. Love to see your lovely faces. We'll see you Wednesday. Amen. Amen.